What if I told you that exercise could be as potent as some medications? Would you believe me? Well, in today's podcast, we're going to talk all about the concept of exercise as medicine and how we can think about using exercise as a means to a healthier life. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to season five, episode one of the Building Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renneke. Today, we're talking about exercise as medicine. And real quick, our goal here in the podcast is to help keep you active and healthy for life through actionable evidence-informed education. We hope you find this helpful. Today, we're talking all about what exercise as medicine means. What does it mean? And we're going to talk about the three areas where I think exercise as medicine really shines. So let's get started. All right, so let's get started. We're going to first talk about the history of exercise as medicine. Like, what does that even mean? Well, exercise as medicine started a couple of decades ago. The concept that exercise can be as therapeutic as traditional medicine, meaning that if we treat certain conditions with medications, what would happen if we treat them with exercise instead or on top of that or something like that, but we're using exercise as an actual treatment. There's an awesome quote from a 2015 JAM article that I saw, and the quote was, there's no medication treatment that can influence as many organ systems in a positive manner as can physical activity. I thought that was fantastic, meaning, hey, you know, pill you take, it will pale in comparison to physical activity. And another quote I saw from a different overview article says, it is obvious that if such compelling evidence had been developed around a pill or surgical procedure, every doctor around the world would want to prescribe it to their patients. In fact, it would be malpractice not to prescribe it to every patient, every visit, regardless of medical specialty. And like I said, that is just so awesome. And this whole movement is just really talking about, hey, we need to focus on exercise. This is can be used as a potent therapeutic. They've even gone as far as recommending that we use exercise as kind of an additional vital sign. If you go to the doctor, vital signs are things like blood pressure, heart rate, your oxygen, maybe your smoking status. But they're saying, hey, we should add physical activity and exercise as a vital sign, showing that's how important it really is. And I couldn't agree more. In fact, I believe that every doctor in America at every appointment should at least mention physical activity or exercise. Obviously, it's challenging, but they should at least mention it because it can be a really big differentiator for patients. Also, I believe we should prescribe physical activity for every patient. And how would we go about actually prescribing that? Well, we'd probably base it on things like minutes per week of activity, the intensity of it reported. And then I said, based off of that, the physician then could provide advice to either start, increase, maintain, or modify current physical activity levels. And at the end of the day, we hope for that we could provide a personalized physical activity prescription and then refer patients if we don't have comfortability with that to a fitness professional or educational support, coaching, all that stuff. So at the end of the day, it'd be awesome. That'd be like the ideal world, right? We have physicians who are knowledgeable enough and exercise where you can prescribe it. That is not the case we have today by any stretch of imagination. It's just not part of our training education as classic physicians. You have to kind of have an interest in it on your own to get that skill set. But overall, though, the thing is we really stink at exercise prescription. It's not very good. A national health interview study found that only 32% of patients received advice from their physician or other healthcare professional about exercise to either continue or be physically active when they're at their visit. So during their visit, only 32%, so less than a third of people had that talk to them about. And like I said, that's just doing a disservice. We have to do better. And the question you might ask is like, well, why is this a thing? Are doctors just all paid off by pharma? And like, no, that is not the case. I do not know any of my colleagues, literally none of them make money from pharma. So like, I'm just gonna stop there right there. That is not the case. But we are disincentivized to do it just from how the system is set up, right? So you think about the traditional medical model, what we call a fee-for-service model, meaning the more patients you see, the more you can bill, the more you can generate. That's how services, you know, health services want it. You know, obviously, that's a whole different topic. I'm not going to dive into that. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine. But the more patients you see, the more money you make for your clinic, for your boss, essentially. And at the end of the day, you need to see patients every, you know, 20 minutes is kind of boom, 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 boom. Some people can go more than that, even 15, so you're just moving fast, fast, fast. And a lot of people feel they don't have time. 
On top of that, they don't get reimbursed for that. Meaning if you have a conversation with someone about exercise, despite it being the most important thing in the world, you can't bill for that. You can't bill saying, hey, I talked about exercise because it's not a intervention or a you know guideline practice thing. So there's not a lot of money in prevention. And there needs to be a shift in prevention-based care. So essentially what we need to do is we need to flip the entire medical system model on its head. Meaning, hey, we need to pay for prevention. Meaning if we can talk to about exercise, nutrition, sleep, all these really important things, which doctors want to do. They want to talk about, they just don't have the time. But that being said, if we can incentivize them to do that, meaning, hey, actually you get paid based off of talking about the preventative things. Like that would be a huge paradigm shift. And that's what we really, really need. Okay. And so maybe we're asking, okay, what type of exercise are we talking about here? Well, there's no one specific type of exercise. It can be multimodal and actually it should be multimodal. Multimodal meaning we do resistance training, we do aerobic, we do high intensity, we do lots of different things. And so what is the evidence behind this exercise as medicine? That's what we're going to talk about throughout this entire series. We're going to go through different conditions like high blood pressure, you know, diabetes, all these different things and look about how effective is it. But that being said, one stat I just want to talk about is about one in 10 premature deaths worldwide is caused by a lack of physical activity. So one in 10, 10% are attributed directly to a lack of physical activity. So there's a huge problem and we need to do better. I think one way to start is by making sure people are hitting our physical activity guidelines. And what are the guidelines you might ask? Well, the guidelines recommend 150 minutes of moderate intensity rope activity or 75 minutes of vigorous rope activity and, and two days of resistance training per week. So like I said, 150 of moderate, 75 vigorous, and two days of resistance training. How, what does moderate or vigorous mean? Well, the way I kind of think about it is moderate is where you're able to have a conversation, right? So people talk about like the zone two where you can kind of, you know, have a conversation. We got to take some breaths in between. That's pretty much moderate, meaning we are not going, you know, all, all the way out, all anything like that. You're not, you know, dying here, but you're getting your heart rate up a little bit and you can't talk in a normal sense. If you can just talk like I'm talking to you right now, that's probably not enough. But if you get to the point where you have to take some breaths in between, that's probably where we want to be. And then vigorous is just above that where you're pretty much can't talk because you're working so hard. So that'd be like kind of your say ballpark based off of RPE, what we're looking for. So 150 minutes of just moderate, 75 vigorous, and then resistance training two days. They don't talk about weights, body weight, bands, all those things are acceptable. That's totally fine. But for me, my personal opinion is that this should be the goal for everyone, right? This should at least be our goal. If we're not hitting this, let's get to that. And like I said, it really depends on how you like to exercise, right? There's some people who are just like, I like lifting and that's what I want to do for exercise. And I'm not going to say don't do that. Obviously, if it's that or nothing, do that. But I think a lot of people are leaving a lot of gains in just life and sort of their health by not doing the other one, whether they're not doing cardio or people who just do endurance and don't do lifting. So I said, they recommend both for a reason. It's very important. And there's a disclaimer that I have to have. There are certain medical conditions where exercise is potentially contraindicated. These are few and far between. But like I said, if you have any questions saying, oh, I don't know if I should exercise, please, please, please talk to your doctor. Additionally, there is a nice resource online. It's called the EPAR Medics. You can find that in the show notes. And you can use that to help go through a questionnaire to see whether or not you could potentially have a condition that could be concerning where you need to talk to your doctor about. So like I said, nice little tool where you can kind of go through and say, hey, if you're worried, you've never exercised before, that's something we can look at. And now let's talk about the three scenarios where I think exercise as medicine really shines. The first is prevention. So exercise as prevention. This is probably how most people think of exercise, right? As a way to kind of stay ahead of things like, oh, I exercise so I don't develop X or Y or Z. Most people think of it in terms of preventing weight gain, but it can be used for so much more than that. And then maybe someone wants to make a claim that, you know, this is not really medicine, right? This is just prevention. I strongly disagree with that. Prevention is the best type of medicine. So if someone says, oh, you're not, this is actually medicine. No, it is. Prevention is the best thing we can do. That's like saying a vaccine isn't a type of medicine. Uh, it definitely is. We can think of exercise as a type of vaccine for certain health outcomes. It's just a vaccine that you need to do over and over and over again. And if you stop, you lose a lot of the benefits. But 
a vaccine nonetheless. So prevention is a huge part. And like I said, that is the goal. The goal is that we're using exercise to prevent anything from actually happening. That is like ideal. We want to make sure nothing develops. That is our number one goal. But then let's say we do develop something. Exercise can be used as a first line. And so this is when you first find out that you're no longer invincible, right? We've all had that day as you continue to age that, hey, you're not the same as you. Whether it's just you don't feel as good or got aches and pains, like everyone gets that realization that you're not, you know, 16 anymore. And maybe it's a diagnosis of high blood pressure or high cholesterol, or maybe you're gaining some weight. Whatever it is, we all realize we're not indestructible. However, if, if we're all catching something like that early enough, then we have tons of options still. So that's the key, right? So first things first is just being aware of your health. So checking on things, going to regular appointments, doing that stuff, because unless you're looking for it, you won't find it. So that's step number one. Okay, let's start, for example, maybe someone's gained a little bit of weight, maybe their blood pressure's starting to creep up, something like that. Exercise can be used as a first line medicine. That's like legit use case for it. Like if you look at the guidelines in most of these things, they'll say like lifestyle changes, lifestyle changes. Or let's say maybe you're told that your blood sugar isn't great or something along that realms, but it's not too serious and exercise once again might be all you need. And if someone kicks their exercises into high gear, you know, like I said, you can have some impressive benefits and some impressive improvements in all your markers. That being said, it's never recommended to do this just in isolation. Your life isn't an experiment or a controlled trial, so you don't have to change only one variable at a time. You can do multiple things at once. And anytime you're using exercise as medicine, you should also be using food and sleepers as medicine on top of that. So like I said, for me, it's never just a, oh, I, I just need exercise. No, because we want to make big changes fast. And the best way to do that is through using a multimodal approach, sleep, exercise, nutrition, all those things together. Okay, and then finally, I'm going to talk about exercise as an augmentation method. And what does that mean? Well, we have, which means you're adding this to something. So exercise and something else. And not just talking about exercise and nutrition or lifestyle changes, the things we talked about there, but rather exercise and some sort of medical management. And I want to make a point that this is not a failure to using something else other than just lifestyle. I see this a lot online where people, you know, who are taking medication, they somehow are labeled as like a moral failure, right? Or you're worse than someone else, or this is quote unquote, not natural. For me, that's one of the weirdest things. Like it's the natural fallacy is what it is. If you are just prone to high blood pressure from a genetic standpoint, and the natural thing would be to just like have a stroke at age 60, like everyone, I don't want that. I want to prevent that. So I don't want the natural thing. I'd rather have the unnatural thing that keeps me healthy. And so the natural fallacy, like just because something's natural does not necessarily mean it's right. Right. People say my body, you know, doesn't need anything. Well, I strongly disagree that we should manage the risks that we know are there. And so people will sometimes say that, that, oh, you know, they think they're using pills as an excuse to not exercise or something. Well, even if that's the case, if that's the argument you're making that someone, oh, they're just taking a pill and they don't want to work hard. Even if that's the argument, that's not a valid argument because do I want everybody to be able to manage everything they have with lifestyle changes? Absolutely. Like that is my number one goal is to, Hey, let's nail down lifestyle changes. I want to do that. Will this ever happen? No, it will never happen. And so me personally, as a physician, I'm not willing to ostracize or exclude a huge group of people who have to, or desire to take a medication. Like I said, that's how it works. Maybe in their situation, it works better for them at this stage of life. Maybe they just don't have the time or the financial resources, or maybe they truly do just want a medication. Either way, I'm here to meet people where they are and where they need to be met at. And no matter where you're at though, adding an exercise can be helpful. So even if it's starting exercise, that can be beneficial. And so like we're talking about here, 
when we're augmenting something, like we are just adding on a little something extra. So you're kind of in a situation where, hey, maybe we want to get control of this a little bit faster. So maybe medication might be good, but we're never going to say, hey, just take the med. Well, that's it. You try lifestyle. It's over. No, we're always going to continue to build, right? We want to continue to do lifestyle things, the diet and nutrition and sleep, build on those things, but maybe start a medication to kind of bring things down and get under control as we slowly ramp up lifestyle. That's kind of what we're talking about with this augmentation. So now let's move on to when to not use exercise as medicine as your only means of treatment, right? So these are certain times where standalone and just as exercise, probably not a good idea. The biggest time I recommend we don't do this is when there's a lot online, meaning let's say something's really, really important and it's dangerous, right? Then we don't want to mess around with that. In this situation, we know that we need to do everything we can. We need to throw the kitchen sink at it, but we also need to be smart about it, right? So certain things have minimal data for exercise as a monotherapy. Monotherapy meaning it's the only thing we do. So we need to use traditional medicine as well. And my opinion, the more scary the condition, the more we should be considering a multimodal approach. So for example, let's say you are diagnosed with cancer. Please, please, please do not just say you're gonna exercise cancer away. Except this is where you need to have a plan from an oncologist and you need to get medicine. Except exercise is definitely beneficial in pretty much all stages of cancer, but not recommended as a solo treatment. Another example, let's say you have a serious infection. So, you know, exercising, let's say you have a cold, right? Exercising, can that be helpful, shorten the illness? Yeah, quite possibly. But should you try to exercise a pneumonia or sepsis away? No, that is not a good idea. Once again, just use your brain here. And on top of that, I think it may not be a good idea to do just exercise medicine when you have a serious late stage disease that requires different levels of treatment. So I think about things like really, really poorly controlled diabetes, really bad hypertension or high blood pressure, heart failure, or maybe even a heart attack or something like that. All these conditions will benefit from exercise. So I'm just saying that they will benefit from exercise, no doubt. But get on medications first, try to do some game, damage control, and then build up the exercise. And then, quite possibly, maybe we can pull back on some of the meds. But I'd rather get a quick grasp on the situation as fast as we can. And then, like I said, we're more prone to happen with a multimodal approach. Meaning if we hit it from exercise and nutrition and medications, we're more likely to hit our goal sooner. And then from there, we can figure out, hey, where can we pull back and what can we do? So in summary, exercise as medicine is a movement where exercise can be used as an actual treatment for certain medical conditions. It can be used for prevention, first-line therapy, or as an augment to another type of therapy. However, when you have been diagnosed with something super serious, it's best to use all your available resources, and that may include traditional medications on top of exercise. All right, thanks so much for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. If you want, you should sign up for my mailing list. I'm gonna send out occasional emails about new content, things I put out, whether it's videos or articles, but I'll never spam you. I promise, I hate spam. So this does conclude our episode. Now get off your phone, get outside, and have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.